First and goal at the two. Just run it in now. John David Booty rolls right. Throws in the back of the end zone. Fred Davis, the tight end of the year in the United States in college football with the catch and the touchdown, USC. Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. This week, our podcast is sponsored by sctickets.com. Need tickets to see the Trojans? Then check out sctickets.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and I'm joined, as always, by the godfather of Pasadena, the coach, Harvey Hyde. How are you doing today, coach? Buddy, I'm doing great. It's football weather. Man, I'll tell you, the weather's absolutely fabulous this week, and, uh, you know, everybody's getting ready for the coming football season, but you got to go through spring practice first. got to sort of dot the I's and get everybody ready and fired up and talk about your opening game and get through spring practice without any injuries. you got to pray. No injuries. Yeah, cross your T's, dot your I's, all that. It's been beautiful down there at spring football. And uh, this week we have a special, uh, it's actually the episode nine of the podcast. So we're not to episode 10 yet. We'll be double digits next week, Coach. Uh, But we do have a sponsor this week I wanted to talk a little about first, uh, SC Tickets. Uh, You can reach them at sctickets.com or at 1-800-888-7287. They were generous enough to uh, sponsor the podcast, so we appreciate that. If you need any concert ticket sports tickets or theater tickets uh, you want to take your wife or girlfriend to go see uh, wicked or something like that give uh, sctickets.com a try well i tell you i use them all the time uh, and i think they're absolutely fabulous in fact i'm going to go see uh, elton john down at uh, the honda center here on the 19th and you know i got them southern wow. california ticket service nice i didn't realize you're a big elton john fan coach oh i am i love good music i love good music all right. Well, this week I wanted to talk about, uh, there was a, an interesting article by a real good friend of the site, uh, Rhett Bollinger. He writes, he's a student at USC. He writes for the Daily Trojan. And uh, he wrote an article on Tuesday about uh, the coaching staff kind of playing it safe on a lot of different fronts. Uh, it was kind of in reference to the, the quarterback race, you could say, and uh, the fact that because Sanchez is in his fourth year of the program where Aaron Corp and Mitch Mustaine are really all in the, only in their second year, that it's really Mark Sanchez's to lose, and everything we've seen out there on the practice field would kind of indicate that that is the case. He really got, on Tuesday's competition, Tuesday practice, he got just about every rep with the first-team offense. And I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit, Coach. We'll get into more of what the article says a little bit later. But just that kind of playing a safe attitude, is that the way you see it, is the way kind of Carroll goes about things and trying to get people to actually you know, have been in the system a while, and that kind of earns them the right to get playing time. Well, I think you have to give Mark Sanchez that uh, opportunity. I think every position is open for competition, and I think it's his probably his position to lose. I think what happens, Mitch has to come up and, and play very well when he gets that opportunity and be in the same position in a way Mark Sanchez was last year backing up John David Booty. But, uh, but I think that uh, all – Three are outstanding candidates. All three are uh, challenging. Mark Sanchez has more experience with the offense, so obviously he would be the leading contender right now. I, if I was 
Pete Carroll or the offensive staff, I would think that, you know, Southern California kid with the opportunity of playing three games last year, the players knowing him for a long period of time, helping you recruit that at SC and bringing a great recruiting class with him there, uh, and a very competitive young man, what a, an emotional young man, a guy that's not going to slide on the turf. He's going to give you the shoulder and try to get in the end zone. I think uh, would be the type of leader right now the Trojans would look to to first. But but I think by giving someone the opportunity to run a lot of turns or have a lot of turns is the only fair way to let to see how the team is going to react around him. I bet you, you'll watch, you'll go out there and you'll see on Thursday or Friday or Saturday, you'll see Mitch Mustang get the same type of treatment. You're going to see him go 20 or 30 plays or go a long segment with the first unit too because you're going to have to be able to give him that same opportunity to get into a rhythm be able to run the ball pass the ball move the chains get in the short down distance uh goal line situation uh uh third and long situations and see how the team and see how he reacts and see how he audibleizes and throws to the right receiver and so on and looks at the field and and continues through with his fakes on running plays and so on. So you'll see him get as many turns, too, down the road. But I think right now the first person who would get that opportunity would be uh, Mark Sanchez. Yeah, and the first chance you're going to see Mitch will be actually this weekend on Saturday at 11 a.m. on uh, Howard Jones Field. They're going to have another scrimmage, so we'll see how many reps he gets with the first team. And I guess the, the big controversy kind of came up over the weekend on Sunday when they had their first real scrimmage. It was full pads. Everybody was going at it. Um, Mark Sanchez ended up not throwing a touchdown pass in that scrimmage and Mitch Mustaine threw three and his first one was a thing of beauty. Uh, we were standing in the end zone kind of behind him. It went 50 yards in the air and it did not look like Ronald Johnson had any chance to, to get under that ball. He ran right under it, perfectly completed pass, caught it in stride, ran it for a touchdown. He got to show off his speed. He threw a really nice one to uh, Ronald Johnson later, only about 30 yards. That the first one was 70, and he also threw about a 10-yarder to uh, backup fullback Adam Goodman. Uh, I guess the one thing, uh, you know, about his stats were he went against the second-string defense most of the time, and, and Mark Sanchez did go against the first-string defense. So you, you, it's not really an apples-to-apples comparison. But the one thing that is going in Mitch's favor, even the first-string defense didn't have their top three linebackers. So a lot of the First string defense was actually second stream second string players as well. Uh, just to see Mitch do that though, and then a lot of people assume that well he's going to jump ahead in the in the in the race, and then on Tuesday he comes out and Mark gets all the first string reps. So I guess there was kind of a discrepancy there, and sometimes people were, were there. Are people are asking about it on the message boards. You know, if he performs that well in the scrimmage, why is he not seeing the kind of results and the rewards from that? Well, first of all, you know, a scrimmage uh, is sometimes. Uh, not the true indication of what's going on. It's sometimes script, as I've talked to you about, the number of plays. Maybe uh, in the situation when Mustaine was in there and had that opportunity to throw that big bomb in the first play, maybe Mark Sanchez didn't have that opportunity. So stats, you know, are important, but stats don't win football games. Uh, leadership, uh, I mean, Sanchez's team, I believe, scored three times. He drove the team down three times to score. The number one role of a quarterback is to lead your team to the goal line and score with victory with with less turnovers and and understanding what your accomplishments are and where you are in the field and and uh what you need to do as far as down distance situations and talking in the huddle and making sure you look at everybody in the eyes and you're communicating 
and I'm not taking anything away from the great stats that Mustaine had. Let's don't let's don't argue with that. They were great stats, but he had that opportunity to to make those plays. I think what you have to look at is he made those plays, and he's been known as a big play guy. So maybe he is the big play guy. Uh, would he be able to do that same type of of uh, a thing uh, with the first offense. Maybe he would have not been able to drive the team down and, and score touchdowns because he'd have been looking for that big play. I think it's always important to have a big play guy, but I think Mount Mark Sanchez is a big play guy too, given that opportunity. So it's early. It's early. It's going to be a bitter battle. You can't just look at stats. You have to look at overall performances. I mean, and and I think that both kids are very capable players. Mark has played three games. He's been at USC two years. Mitch threw last year against the first defense the whole year and got his arm in great shape. Started in the Southeastern Conference. Has game experiences. Probably in the most hostile houses in, in, the, in college football. So they're both quality kids. And you will see this battle continue. And there'll be one day that Sanchez has a great day. And there'll be one day that Mustaine has a great day. And when they both have great days, all it does is confuse everybody. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does, because it makes it now a two-quarterback race, and Corp, of course, is sitting right there. But it's great for the competition because the rest of the team feeds off this competition. Watching these two guys compete, they compete at a higher level because their position is on the line, too. So this type of competition really breeds great competition among the entire team. Yeah, and you made a good point earlier because Mark Sanchez did lead his his unit to touchdowns. They were just always running plays. Uh, one was by Havili. I think there was a really long run by uh, Alan Bradford. I, I believe it was Bradford's run where it was like, like a 70-yard run or something. They get down the field, and Mark kind of chased him down. He he jumped up and uh, you know touched, touched the top of the goalpost, and he was as, as excited as anyone else. And it showed that he was leading that drive, even though he didn't make the big play to score the touchdown. I guess the big, the big question is, and, and the the reason that everyone was so excited about that long pass to, from Mitch Mustaine to Ronald Johnson is that wasn't really a pass that John David Booty completed uh, regularly or, or, or if at all. He, he just didn't have that touch on the really deep ball that to allow his receivers to kind of run under, run under them and uh, score the long touchdown. And just to see that on the practice field, like, wow, okay, I remember what that is like. So I think that's why a lot of people got excited because that's something that the USC offense really hasn't had for a couple of years. Well, it's something to get excited about, and I have to agree with you. Uh, last year they maybe had two bombs. I remember one to Ron Johnson, and I can't remember the other if they did have one. But, yeah, they didn't have the big home run type of receiving plays last year. In fact, uh, we've talked a lot about the receivers and, and the overall team speed and the routes. And, and last year, uh, they talked about I didn't think that the receivers really came to their level of what everyone expected from them, not only as pass receivers but as blockers and, and, and quickness and the whole thing. Towards the end of the year, you've heard me mention, I thought Hazleton was the one that made them – biggest improvement along with the SC offense discovering Davis. And I think that's what carried the passing offense last year. So I, I think it's exciting. I think people get excited just seeing the big play again, because they haven't seen the big play that they used to see a lot with the receivers at SC with Mike Williams and Jared and Smith and, and uh, all the great receivers that are out there. 
remember when Davis caught a lot of his balls last year, they weren't long passes. They were passes that he caught and then ran very well with the football. So, you know, being a receiver, you have to be able to catch the football, you have to be able to block, and then you have to make positive yards after you make the catch. And you've got to remember that they're always going to attempt to strip the football. And you've got to always know where you are in the field so you never lose ground on the field. You never come back from the sticks. You're always moving forward. And uh, so there's a lot to learn. And, and I think people are just excited about seeing the big play, too. And don't get me wrong. He had to hit him. It had to be there. The timing had to be there. And it's just part of now putting together the, and the players as well as the coaches learning what coaches, uh, what players can do better than other players. Yeah, and I think getting back to the coach's point, that was really the whole point of this article. And I wanted to see if you really felt this was the way of like Coach, coach Carroll's philosophy, basically playing it safe. He gives a couple examples, uh, Rhett does from this DT article on uh, Tuesday, about the Stanford game when, when Booty broke his finger and, and Carroll felt the need to kind of leave him in as opposed to starting the younger quarterback. He put the experienced injured guy in as opposed to the the guy with no experience who's healthy. Uh, Chauncey Washington ended up getting a lot of carries last year where a lot of people felt that maybe Stephon Johnson or Joe McKnight would have been a better, been a better option, but you know Chauncey's been in the program for a long time. And then even on defense, he, he referred to the uh, kind of soft zone that they play a lot of times, and it really does prevent the long TD passes. If you don't remember this, there hasn't been a long touchdown pass over 50 yards against USC since 2004 when they beat BYU 42-10. to 10. So that was the only touchdown they scored. And in that game, Ronald Nunn was the cornerback who, uh, who gave up that long touchdown. He lost his starting job the next week. So it's obviously a big deal for Carroll's defense that don't want to give up the long play. But on the other side of that, they also haven't had a defensive back return an interception for a touchdown in 38 games. So he was kind of bringing up the point, you have these great athletes in the secondary or you have these great athletes around your team wouldn't it be better to kind of give them a little more freedom and, and let them make athletic plays? But he also acknowledged that, well, they've won six Pac-10 titles in a row, so Carroll's got to be doing something right. Well, he is doing something right. And remember, there's different philosophies that uh, Coach Pete Carroll is, is using. First of all, his philosophy has to match to what, happen, what happens on offense. And over the past couple of years, he has felt that if he allows his offense to stay in the game and not have to catch up, he'll outscore people. And he isn't going to give up the cheap touchdown. He did not want to give up a cheap touchdown. He did not want to have the big bomb. He did not want to have the momentum change. He did not want to go into a hostile environment like Eugene and these other places and get the crowd going, Arizona State, Notre Dame, and so on, by having the uh, offense of the opponent making big plays. So he played a lot of soft zone. And then in the soft zone term, you say just keep everything in front of you and then knock the hell out of the guy when he catches the football. Knock the ball loose. Knock the ball loose. Play zones, come after him. But if you remember last year when the team was struggling somewhat on offense, you saw towards the last part of the year when the team wasn't scoring a lot, he then relied on the defense, and he went back to starting playing more man, more blitzing, more coming after him, started getting more turnovers, because they weren't getting turnovers early in the season, and he started to create a more aggressive defense because he had to help the offense with field positions. He needed to make some plays on defense. He needed to have some turnovers. He needed to have some big plays down there to give the offense the opportunity. He didn't feel the offense could drive 80 yards or, or could make the big play. 
So he played for field position by gambling a lot. It paid off, and he was able to uh, have a great season going 11-2 and and winning the Rose Bowl. So remember, when when you play soft zones, you're feeling when you have a Carson Palmer and you have a uh, Weinhardt and you have people that can score, well, then, you know, what you want to do is don't give up a cheap score. You want to allow your offense to get on, and you have confidence in your offense that if they make three or four first downs, big deal. But they're not getting in the end zone. But when our team comes back on the field, we have that type of offense that will drive down the field and we'll get some points. So, you know, rather than getting a scoring race, they wanted to rely on the offense as far as not allowing the defense to score, their offense to score, playing it safe, but then, again, when you needed to go after him, as he did last year, the second half of the season, he saw that he needed to rely on the defense more. That's when Sanchez was there and Moody had a broken finger and they weren't scoring points. Then he went back, and if you remember, started playing more man and started to get after it. And, and if you remember on our first segment, or second segment, when we were talking about defense and the secondary and so on, I said that, they're going to work a lot of man coverage this spring. They're going to play man technique, teach man technique, because if you're going to play man defense, you've got to do it every single day. It's good for the receiver as well as it is for the DB. You go against each other. You make both of them tougher. You make them better receivers, better, better defensive backs, and this is what you've got to do. And when I was out there and watched them practice, they were doing that drill, a lot of man drill, a lot of man drill. It did look like that too. I mean, I watched them all winter, and uh, they 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 ran some drills. They would do actually do some drills with the coaches where they weren't allowed footballs. This was before spring ball started, and there was a lot more looking back for the ball than I had seen in other practices. It was almost like when we would watch practices before, they weren't really even teaching that. They were you're getting the defensive back to look at the receiver's eyes, and when he puts his hands up, kind of slap at his hands and knock the ball away it did seem like the philosophies might have changed a little bit. And maybe that's because the offense isn't as explosive as it was with, you know, Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and Lendell White and all those guys. But they do look like they're kind of attacking a little bit more. It started, like you said, the end of uh, last season from the, kind of the middle on. They're attacking defense a lot more. They're, they're playing a lot more man coverage. And you look at these defensive backs, and it does seem like in their drills, they're going for the ball and looking for the ball a lot more than they were doing before. Right, they weren't doing a good job at that uh, as far as playing man because they didn't work on man that much. And remember, when you play man defense, you gamble a lot because when you play man, that means you're relying on your front seven to get to the quarterback because you can't cover a guy all day. You've got to rush the quarterback. You've got to sack the quarterback. You've got to flush the quarterback out. You've got to make him scramble, and you've got to sack him or get to him or hurry his throw because you only have so much time or you're only – so good to run with a guy all over the field. You can't do that. So, uh, you know, so you've got to play man, but when you're playing man, you've got to be aggressive up front. Yeah, and I think, you know, they're going to have a really ridiculously good back seven this year. I mean, obviously the linebackers across the board are great. You have a lot of guys in the secondary. you got Josh Pinkard coming back. So they're going to have some real talent there. But I guess up front – is going to be where the question is. You know, Philly Moala is great. Some people are projecting him as going to be in a first-round draft pick next year. Uh, you know, Everson Griffin and, and Kyle Moore can do it. Who knows who's going to end up in that nose guard spot taking it for Cedric Ellis. But if they struggle to put pressure on the quarterback, even though they have those great guys in the secondary, Carroll might go to you know back to a lot more of that soft zone just because he's not 
confident in this front four to get enough pressure on them where they can play aggressive man defense, like you said, because you can't cover guys all day. No, you can't cover them. And you might see them go to more of a 34 type of look or a look that you called earlier the elephant look and, and different looks where you get an extra man rushing the passer. So there is a lot of things you have to do to make your defense work. And right now I'm really uh, interested to see who are going to be the defensive tackles. If we're going to have, we're not going to have a seat to Cedric Ellis. That ain't going to happen. I mean, everybody says who's going to replace him. Nobody's going to replace him. There'll just be somebody else playing that position because he's going to be one of the top maybe five or ten players picked in America. And he's getting dominant and stronger in every drill he does since uh, the Rose Bowl game, the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the Pro Day at USC. So, you know, it's going to be very difficult to replace him. But, you know, you've got to move things around and you've got to be able to adjust your defenses to compensate for his loss. So what you do is you do some different things to compensate for his loss. You might have to blitz a little bit more. You might have to do a little bit overshift on your defense. You might have to do some things because you're not going to get that push. You don't have that quickness in the, in the middle until we see one of the young players or one of these players emerge as someone who can can do that. So I wouldn't take a chance and say we're going to do this when I don't know if they can do that. You've got to say we can do this because we don't have Cedric Ellis. Yeah. Well, it should be exciting. We'll watch uh, the rest of spring ball. Only about a week and a half left. They have a scrimmage this Saturday and then next Saturday, uh, April 19th, will be the Trojan huddle. There'll be a tens of thousands of USC fans there and uh, should be exciting to watch, see what the defense does. But Coach, we're out of time for this segment. I just wanted to thank you again for uh, joining us and uh, blessing us with your insights. Thank you. Good. Well, thank you, Ron. What time is that scrimmage on Saturday? That scrimmage is 11 o'clock. It's uh, $10. You can buy tickets at the door. And uh, we're going to come back after this quick break. The next segment, we're going to talk recruiting with Gerard Martinez. And just wanted to give one last thank you to our sponsor, sctickets.com. We'll see you after the break. The Peristyle Podcast will be back after this short break. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Parastyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Parastyle Podcast, our second segment of episode number nine. So we'll focus on recruiting. We have uscfootball.com recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez bringing you the recruiting blitz. All right, Trojan fans, it's time to get up to speed with the recruiting blitz from Gerard Martinez. Last week, USC increased its focus on replacing this year's graduating group of linebackers. 
With commitments from Vontez Burfecht and Marcus Simmons, the Trojans added two more targets to the recruiting board. Columbus, Georgia four-star linebacker Jarvis Jones was offered a verbal scholarship by USC last month, but didn't receive his written offer until last week. Rated as Georgia's top player in the 2009 class, Jones was surprised by the Trojans' presence in the Southeast. I was kind of surprised because um, USC is on the other side of the country, and I was like, USC offering me, and this is a great deal. I followed, like, I was really following where Reggie was at. Reggie, um, Reggie Bush was there. I just love him. And um, they, had, they played pretty strong, and um, they had some good teams, and they just keep on building. They're going to be a good team. They're going to compete every year. Later in the week, New Brunsville, Texas four-star linebacker Tom Wart received his scholarship offer from USC. Originally from England, Wart is well aware of the Trojans' rich football tradition. I know they're, like, the best college football team in the nation. Like, now a couple years back in the national championship game and always been in the hunt for number one and just stuff like that. So it's uh, really exciting to... Uh, for them to be looking at me and think I can play for As USC continues to develop targets on the recruiting trail, several committed recruits have been on campus to watch the Trojans prepare for next season. With the offense making strides in Sunday's scrimmage, spring ball regulars Kevin Graff, Matt Barkley, and Merle Presley discuss their impressions of practice. Well, I really am impressed with the running backs. They're really doing well, and I'm it's uh, their offense is really good. It's just that the, it, there's new guys and they're still learning the system. But the probably the most impressive thing I saw were the running backs. Presley also views the Trojans' depth at running back as a highlight to spring football. I mean, they just got so many for for, for a running game and they run the base. They just got so many weapons that as in like Stephon Johnson. He he's bad, but he's strong. As well, and they got CJ Gabe out there, just break, out there breaking tackles. Just, they just got a lot of weapons, so it's, it, they got a lot of speed and a lot of power. So they could keep, they could switch back. So if they lose one, they really wouldn't lose much as a team. It'd probably be probably the same because they got a lot of weapons. When he's not watching the tailbacks, Presley is focused on Fred Davis's replacement at tight end. Yeah, they got a big Anthony McCoy out there right now. And if McCoy and the other Trojan receivers don't step up in 2008, Presley admits it's going to be very hard for Pete Carroll not to depend exclusively on the Trojans' strong running game. I mean, they just got to handle their business out there. They got to catch everything because if they don't catch everything and they make too many mistakes, I think uh, Coach Carroll, he's just going to go back to the running game. And I, the running game is for sure because I know that the, uh, the running backs out there, they're going to go out there and they're going to go to work. So if the I think if the receivers and the tight ends, if they want to get balls, they got they just got to do their job. When the ball when they, when the ball comes to them, they got to get it. While Graf and Presley have been dazzled by the Trojans' running game, Matt Barkley can't help but turn his attention to the Trojans' competition at quarterback. Yeah, well, that's pretty much all I watched when I was up there at practice, the one-on-ones to the, you know, those seven-on-sevens and, and even the endo stuff that the quarterbacks are doing. 
Um, but, you know, as you said, it's great competition there. That, that's what SC football is all about. And uh, to see those guys battling every day, um, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to that when I get up there as well. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see what comes out of it. Um, they're, all, they're all working the hard as they can. Um, you know, Mark's been really nice to me, talking to me. And I know Aaron, you know, just from playing against him. Um, getting to know Mitch a little better. Um, but all those guys, are, they're all competing. It's fun to see them. With your recruiting blitz, I'm Gerard Martinez for uscfootball.com. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. Hey, USC Trojan fans, to get into the huddle of your Southern Cal Trojans, log on to uscfootball.com today for all the latest in Trojan football, basketball, and recruiting news. Ryan Abraham will give you an in-depth analysis, recruiting updates, and will answer your questions every day on the message board. So for all the latest in team and recruiting news on your USC Trojans, check out uscfootball.com, the officially licensed Southern Cal site of the Rivals.com network. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back with the Peristyle Podcast, the final segment of Episode 9. Uh, we're going to finish up this podcast with the Campus Crawl, and starting off will be Erica Barden reporting from Howard Jones on what's going on with the USC football team. Football. Hi, this is Erica Barden bringing you inside Howard Jones for the football segment of the Campus Crawl as part of this Peristyle Podcast. With week three of Spring Ball upon us, started thinking, what does Spring Ball mean? To all those players and coaches that come out here working hard day after every other day. And you know, I just, I couldn't come up with anything. I think we might need a montage. Gonna need a montage. montage. Competition's really good. Competitions try to compete as well. We can compete pretty good here. The competition, the opportunity to compete. Uh, the competitions is compete, compete, increase competition, and get our competitiveness on, on track. That's that's what's most important right now. And the competition, I gotta compete with a situation for competition. Even Rocky had a well, maybe it worked for Sly Stallone, but I'm at a loss for what is a consistent theme that these Trojans are out there trying to consistently keep in their minds. One thing I do know is that Joe McKnight was not out on the field in his uniform on Tuesday. Why? He had schoolwork to attend to. He had an academic day. You know, he's got a lot of stuff coming up and uh, some stuff he's got to do. So, uh... Apparently the screenwriters aren't the only ones that go on strike. His air quote tutors and air quote must have had a day off. Every now and then you know, I'm making guys take advantage of you know, the, these hours here instead of being on the practice field to make sure their academic stuff is in good shape. But such sacrifice, two whole hours that will never happen again in spring ball to work on your education. And besides, aren't you the next Reggie Bush? 
And in following his footsteps, wouldn't you be following them right out the door before you get your degree anyway? Does this really make a difference? I'm just giving you a hard time, Joe. I was actually out there hoping to interview you, so I must be bitter. I actually knew someone who tutored Reggie Bush and said he was very focused. It's too bad it didn't translate on the field. Number four actually did make an appearance at Howard Jones in his street clothes in what appeared to be a backpack. I'm not going to go as far as to say that I think there were books inside because let's just not jump to conclusions, but at least he looked the part. But Taylor Mays and Anthony McCoy were not out there for Competition Tuesday. You notice that uh, Anthony and, um, and uh, Taylor weren't able to go today from that big collision they had. They both got hit in the head and had to take a couple of days off here to uh, get back right and all, but uh, they'll be back soon. And, both have uh, concussions? Yeah, and I don't know if they're you know full concussions, but there were symptoms and, and all that, so that they, they need to rest them and make sure they're clear before they bring them back. Hmm, that's a surprise. I don't have anything close to a medical degree. Not quite board certified, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and guess that when a 6'4", 225-pound safety and a 6'5", 255-pound tight end collide head-to-head -head at full speed... <laughs> And that's a pretty good formula for concussions. Well, in pain lies beauty for others. Specifically, Cooper Stevenson and Jimmy Miller got some action at tight end, both catching a pass each. Another backup that got some time out there was fullback Adam Goodman, who Stanley Havili had this to say about. Adam's an awesome blocker, and he can also catch and run. People don't know that. People can't see. He's kind of a bigger back, bigger than me. But he's, he's always out there catching rocks, and he can move when he catches it. He just don't get it that much. And on the other side of the ball, Brian Cushing, former elephant. <coughs> and Ray Maluga got back out there a bit. How nice for the backups like Adam and Jimmy and Cooper. You get to step in for the guys that start above you, and uh, you get to go against the two freight train senior linebackers on the roster. Hey, no big deal. Just get around them however you can, especially if you have that ball. Kind of important. Good luck. And one last comment. PC wanted to make sure you remember to get out there on Saturday. We have a big, you know, big event here for us, you know, the big scrimmage that we have, and then Swim with Mike going on here. The campus should really be moving. It should be a big day around here. Based on attendance for regular practice, seems like a tough feat getting Trojan fans out for an event featuring football players. You could pretty much say they were out there for a staring contest or simply just breathing, and you might still run into a line and be turned away at the door by the team's assistant slash makeshift bouncers. Well, that wraps up the football segment of Campus Crawl. This is Erica Barden. Until the next Peristyle podcast. Baseball. It was a very nice bounce back for the Trojan baseball team. After taking two out of three against the Bruins and helping to stop the bleeding in the Lexus Gauntlet trophy race, they took down number 16 Cal State Fullerton 5-4 to four in 11 innings. Next up, USC hosts number 5 California at Dado Field this weekend. Tennis. The number 10 USC women's tennis team had a rough weekend in the Bay Area, losing to number 5 Stanford and number 6 Cal. This weekend, the women host number 14 Arizona State on Friday and Arizona on Saturday at Mark's Tennis Stadium. Volleyball. The Trojan men's volleyball team is also ranked number 10 in the country with a 13 and 13 record. After winning three straight matches, they conclude their regular season this weekend at number two BYU for a pair of tough matches. 
They have already qualified for the upcoming MPSF tournament. Water Polo. The number three women's water polo team split their matches last weekend, waxing number nine San Jose State and losing to number two Stanford in overtime. On Saturday, the women of Troy conclude their MPSF regular season, hosting number four Hawaii. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can now download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player. Just search for Peristyle Podcast the next time you log into iTunes.